Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 This episode is brought to you by Hostfully, a company that helps you make beautiful guidebooks for your listing. Make your own at hostfully.com slash pad. And as a special for Get Paid for Your Pad listeners, you'll get a free guidebook consultation after you make your guidebook. Welcome everybody in another episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I'm joined by Brendan McKenzie, who is the founder of Metro Butter, which is a short-term management company in the city of New York. So Brendan, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We wanted to talk all about the regulations in New York. It's a bit complicated, I feel like, in New York. There's just keep you know, there's always like news about it and new regulations and stuff going on. So I really wanted to ask Brendan to explain to us, you know, what's what's the situation, what's going on, what can you do and what can't you do as an Airbnb host? So Brendan, sure. what's the word? So wow. <laughs> that is quite the question. So New York, since about 2010, has had a law in the books known as the multiple dwelling law that says that if you're in a certain type of building, you are not supposed to rent out your home for fewer than 30 days if you are not present. This hasn't deterred most hosts on Airbnb. There are over 40,000 listings and there have been you know, a handful of citations. Now, what's changed in recent months is the city has amended the law to say that not only are you not supposed to actually rent out your home if you're in one of these buildings, but you're not supposed to advertise it. And the city can now levy fines up to $7,500 per infraction simply for advertising. Now, ostensibly, the purpose of this is to discourage commercial operators, you know, people who have, say, an entire building on Airbnb, say 30 units. You know, if you're getting hit with a $7,500 fine per unit, you know, that's advertised, you're looking at $225,000 worth of fines. Now, that seems to be a pretty strong disincentive, whereas before the process was largely complaint driven for, say, you know, much smaller fines, say $500. And it was complaint driven. So if my neighbor were to call the city and say, look, my neighbor's Airbnb, I don't like it, the city would have to launch an investigation you know, I'd be entitled to a hearing. And it's a pretty drawn out process. Also, the city might capture and might not capture $500. While, you know, the fees for sort of carrying out that process might exceed that $500. So it wasn't really justifiable. Now, what's happened is the city is now saying, look, this is giving us a tool to effectively go after bad actors. Unfortunately, the way the law has been drafted, it doesn't really discriminate. You know, the city, should they elect to do so, could go after basically, you know, any Airbnb host in New York in one of these buildings. And wait, is there a distinction between renting out your entire place and renting out a private room? 
Yes, there is. So the multiple dwelling law does have a carve out, you know, basically people generally refer to it as the roommate exception. As long as you're present there, if you rent out an individual room, you are entirely within the bounds of the law. Okay, so there's no limitations on renting out a spare room. Let's say you have a two bedroom apartment and you live in the apartment, you, you know, you sleep in one of the bedrooms and then the other one you rent out. There's no limitations on that. That's correct. And you're you're talking about specific buildings. Is it so this law only applies when you're in a condominium building or it's a class A multiple dwelling, which is generally, you know, it's listed on the building certificate of occupancy. And I think that's where some of the confusion arises. A lot of hosts don't really understand the distinction between a class A, a class B. We've heard people say, well, I own my condo or I live in a co-op, so surely it must be okay. And I think one of the things that the city could do a better job of is launching sort of an education campaign if they want to get the word out. Now, there's an interesting wrinkle here in that they've spent so much time stating their purpose as this is the city and actually uh, lawmakers in Albany saying we only want to go after bad actors. Now, you have to remember, like I said, there are over 40,000 you know, listings on Airbnb. Of those, these, you know, quote, bad actors make up such a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage that the city, I feel, has kind of put themselves into a bit of a bind. You know, they have sort of two options here. They can generally apply the law and they could go after anyone they choose and sort of discourage Airbnb or they can only go after bad actors. Now, you know, at Metroweller, we're okay with them going after bad actors. You know, I think there are certain moral implications. You know, it's a very polarizing issue. But if you are just actively taking housing stock off the market, you know, New York is basically perpetually in a housing crisis. You know, rents are very high. Vacancy rates are very low. That's fine. You know, if they want to go after those people. And so far, that seems to be the way they've enforced it. Where I get concerned is if they do actually go after people who are, you know, just doing this to make ends meet, to get by artists, freelancers, you know, people who might otherwise face eviction. Because if the city's saying, look, you're hurting affordable housing, you know, you're going to be driving people out of their homes by increasing rents. Well, you also will be driving people out of their homes if you don't give them the opportunity to Airbnb to pay those rents. So I feel like if they do start enforcing it that way, over 40,000 listings in Airbnb, it's a quick way to get yourself voted out of office. Seems fairly politically unpopular, if you ask me. Right. It's kind of like trying to kill a, a mouse with a giant axe. And, yeah. you know, you kind of like kill everyone in the process. Yeah. So if you're not in one of those class A buildings, then you're, mm. you're actually free to rent out as much as you want? Yes and no. So largely, yes. You know, the city has gotten creative and found some loopholes. You know, I had heard a story about a woman with a townhouse in Brooklyn that was not class A. And the city decided to go after her because she didn't have the appropriate business license or something about her home wasn't up to code. I don't recall exactly what that was. And they looked for another way to sort of get at her. And that sort of behavior, frankly, grinds my gears a little bit. So one of the things I do, I you know, give you full disclosure here. So I volunteer as an attorney in New York City Housing Court from time to time. And just to give you some perspective, right now, the state of New York is sort of launching this anti-Airbnb crusade, if you will. 
Now, I've had people walk into my office in New York City Housing Court, and believe it or not, these are two statutes that are actually on the books in New York. Number one, if a landlord deprives a tenant of adequate heat, so right, you know, yesterday we had a blizzard here in New York. It was quite cold outside. If your home were not up to legal levels, that landlord could be fined $500, right? Now, this is not a joke. There is actually a statute on the books that says if the landlord installs a device on the building's boiler to deliberately keep the heat below legal levels, that landlord would be subject to a $1,000 fine. So putting aside the fact that it's completely ridiculous that such a device actually exists that necessitates a statute and that there are people out there that would install such a device – when weighed against one another, those two things seem pretty difficult for me to stomach. You know, a landlord deliberately depriving his tenants of heat, you know, and landlords do some pretty awful things in New York to get their tenants to move out, especially when they're paying under market rent. That's a thousand dollar fine. Whereas posting an Airbnb listing could be up to a $7,500 fine. I mean, does that seem like it makes a lot of sense to you? No, not really. <laughs> so those sorts of things are a bit concerning. And I feel that the city is sort of missing an opportunity here, you know, by taking such a hard line approach to it, you know, to saying, look, Airbnb is, you know, not welcome in New York, plain and simple. They're not realizing the benefits. So not just for hosts, but there are common sense compromises. If the city were to say, look, let's apply a nominal tax to Airbnb, say three, four percent that we pass on to guests, right? We'll just bake it into the price. We'll work with Airbnb. We'll get it built in there. If you think about all the revenue that could generate for the city to build more affordable housing units, that seems to me like a common sense compromise. And I struggle with the fact that, you know, the city is not coming around on this sort of thing. And I can only speculate that this is largely driven by the HTC, you know, and other members of the hotel lobby. Interesting. Well, I've got a few points here. Uh, hmm. First of all, I looked into an article recently that showed the number of rooms that had been sold in Amsterdam over the last five years or so. And, hmm. you know, to my surprise, the number has been going up every single year. So it, to me, it seems like, you know, Airbnb actually doesn't affect the hotel industry that much. And I think the reason for that is that I think Airbnb creates a lot of incremental travel. There's people who are now traveling because either they can afford it because they're using Airbnb to make money, or they now travel because they enjoy it much more to stay at an Airbnb. And it's often also more affordable. And the other thing is, I think a lot of people who are staying in Airbnbs, they're not coming from hotels. Their alternative wouldn't be a hotel, but would be staying with friends or family. Yeah. Look, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I think a lot of that is true in New York as well. I think if you're the HTC, you're threatened because it introduces a variable into your pricing model. It's what is this going to do to the market both short-term and long-term, especially in places where there, frankly, is not the same competition that hotels are used to. So if you do, you know, if you hop on Google Maps and you look at Queens and you just type hotels, you'll see not very many pins drop. So if suddenly people have a lot more choice, it's true. Like, you know, a lot of people, I would say that 
stay in Airbnbs are not conventional hotel travelers. Now, I know that Airbnb is sort of making a push into that market, you know, with its business travel friendly listings. But I think the concern for the HTC is what's the long term on this? And are there going to be short term disruptive effects? It's almost like when Uber dropped into New York and all the guys that were holding taxi medallions sort of freaked out saying, what is this new thing and what's this going to do? We don't know. So we're afraid of the unknown. Right. It's like there's a saying that says, uh, you know, people prefer the devil that they know versus the devil that they don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Host, I can't emphasize how important it is to share recommendations of things to do or eat near your listing beforehand. Your guests won't have to go through TripAdvisor, Foursquare or Yelp. They won't have to scratch their head and think about possible places right in the moment. I've been using Hostfully to create an online and printable guidebook to show my guests my favorite coffee places in Amsterdam. They use my recommendations and I'm getting fewer questions from my guests as a result. I've also included screenshots of my guidebook on my Airbnb listing as a way to differentiate my listing from others. So make your own guidebook at hostfully.com slash pad. So... Are you aware of the fact that in Amsterdam and London, Airbnb is going to actually enforce the legislation on the platform? I have. I've heard that there are temporal restrictions, you know, it's something like 90 days or so. Now, that sort of thing to me makes sense. Uh, you know, if the city were to say, look, we'll apply a nominal tax, we'll give a nightly restriction. Basically, what that does in, in essence is if you say, look, you can't rent out for more than 90 days, then a commercial operator is not going to have a listing available 365 days a year. You know, Airbnb has been promoting its one host, one home policy in New York. And I think that's another common sense approach. You know, they require you to verify your ID on the platform. If you know, a host uploads his or her driver's license. I can't imagine it would be that difficult for Airbnb to match the address listed on the government issued ID with the address of the listing. You know, I think that's sort of a more common sense approach, although you at probably having seen it firsthand could speak to a little more to whether or not that has been effective or a good thing or a bad thing. What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it's a pretty good system because if you think about it, you know, the reason why the city doesn't like Airbnb is because they're worried that people are taking properties off the off the market, right? Like like you said. But you know, the big advantage of Airbnb, I think, it enables people to use resources more efficiently. So for example, if I live in my apartment and I go on holiday for a month, then you know, it's a, it's a shame that my apartment is empty because, you know, like you said, there is a shortage of housing in New York, but Amsterdam is very similar. By sharing your house, you're basically using the space more efficiently. Sure. I mean, I think that's sort of the mentality behind Airbnb. It's not how do we convert you know, existing apartments into, you know, profit centers. It's how do we use otherwise fallow assets for the benefit of everyone? And I kind of wish that the kind of, I absolutely wish that the state and the city would come around and realize that, you know, most hosts are not having a detrimental effect on the housing market. By and large, these are people who are traveling for business, going on a brief vacation, only renting out for a handful of dates at a time. And that's not an apartment that would otherwise be, say, available on the general market 
in a way that you know would be rentable on a long-term basis. This might be a management consultant who's gone for two weeks or a freelancer who you know needs and you know I know this is within the bounds of the law, but needs to rate, rent out a, a second room for two or three weeks to make bill payments. And I think that should be completely permissible. Yeah, absolutely. From my mouth to God's ears, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think the system that they have in Amsterdam now, and by the way, they also collect taxes automatically for to the city. So this is something that they don't do yet in New York, but I, I know they do it in lots of other places, which is something that uh, as a host, you don't even notice it. You can't even see it on the platform. It's, it's the guests who book, they automatically pay the you know, like a tourist hotel tax. And that's great. Yeah. And I think that's, yeah, no, I think that's fair enough because, you know, you pay the tax when you're, when you're in a hotel. I mean, this is one of the arguments that the hotels bring up that I actually agree with. If you make hotels pay the tax or the guests that are staying in the hotels, I should say, then that should be the same for Airbnb. Yeah. I think that makes sense. It seems like a practical, reasonable solution. You know, I'm sure this is, you know, I'm not privy to these calls, certainly between Airbnb and uh, lawmakers, and I'm sure they're happening even now, but I'm sure that this has been sort of a sticking point in New York. If you look at the history in the news, it has been discussed, the proposal of, hey, look, you know, what if we apply to tax? And, you know, I was at the New York City bar for a panel discussion on this about a year and a half ago or so. And the city was saying, look, yes, or excuse me, the Airbnb rep there was saying, look, this would produce an additional $40 million a year in revenue for the city that could be used towards affordable housing. And there was pushback saying, look, that would only produce X number of affordable housing units. And a few months later, I came across an article or two where state lawmakers were giving quotes saying, you know, what would an additional $80 million do for the city? Uh, there's a big delta between those two numbers, <laughs> you know, the Airbnb representative saying 40 million and then state lawmakers saying 80 million. So it seems like it's being discussed and that might be a little bit of a sticking point. Right. Okay. Cause that's, yeah, I agree with you. This is a very obvious thing to do, right? Yeah. But then I go mean, but you have to think that's one of the things that makes Airbnb competitive. It's the fact that they, you know, if they do want to enter this sort of hotel space by not applying taxes on the guest end, you know, you have to think about it from the guest perspective. If I'm going to travel to New York and I can say, look, I'm willing to try this new Airbnb thing out, even though I'm generally a hotel loyalist, what's the price difference between the two? And, you know, Airbnb, although it now has been around for a few years, the experience differs from home to home. And a hotel is, I guess, a bit of more of a known commodity. So if you look at those two and you say, all right, look, with the tax baked in, I'm only saving 5% in the Airbnb, maybe I'll go to the hotel. Airbnb probably doesn't like that because then they're less competitive. Although there are Airbnbs for all budgets, you know, it's what sacrifices are you making? Are, am I staying in a six floor walk up versus, you know, a midtown hotel? Right. I definitely think Airbnb wants to remain a, a platform that's affordable and they I think they want to have that image that they're more affordable than hotels because you can tell by the pricing algorithm that they've uh, launched a while back because pretty much everyone is saying that their listings are being underpriced when you turn on the Airbnb smart pricing. Yeah. I mean, if you compare Airbnb smart pricing to 
the leading dynamic pricing engines out there. If you look at, say, Everbooked, Room Dots, Beyond, I'd say it's consistently much lower on Airbnb. And, you know, that makes sense. Airbnb certainly wants to drive transaction volume. They make money off every transaction here in New York. And I believe everywhere it's 3% off the host and six to 12% on a sliding scale to the guest. If they drop prices by 10 or 20% and they're driving, you know, 20% more bookings, Airbnb actually makes more money, even if the host doesn't. So I get what they're doing, but that's not necessarily a good thing for hosts. And I think you're starting to see pushback there. Yeah, well, they have two interests in mind, right? The host and the guest. So they're not a very good price advisor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things I'd heard recently, actually, and I can't verify this, is that for hosts that use Airbnb smart pricing, they're prioritizing those listings in search positioning, mm. which I have an opinion on that. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the greatest thing in the world. You know, I think hosts should be free to price as they see fit and not be penalized for not drinking the Kool-Aid, if you will. Yeah, no, that's not a good idea if they do. I don't know if they, if they do that, but uh, I hope they don't. Yeah, I certainly do. <laughs> hope they don't as well. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Metro Butler, sure. the company that you founded. Well, first of all, why did you found it? So sort of by accident, you know, I was doing this for friends as a a hobby. You know, I had a little bit of residential property management experience. My family owned a multi-unit complex in Southern California where I used to live. And I managed that for them basically as a favor. And then when I came back to New York, I had been doing this for, say, three or four friends. You know, they all wanted to get on Airbnb, but they were really concerned, you know, I friends who were, say, traveling to Singapore for three weeks. And they said, well, what happens if I get a booking and then I get another booking? How do I check that person in? You know, what if something goes wrong? What if, you know, someone blows up my toilet or lights my carpet on fire and no one's there? It was sort of that need for boots on the ground. And I'd been doing it as a hobby while I was, I was actually, at the time, I was awaiting results for uh, one of the bar exams. And So I had time to kill and I figured what better way to make a little bit of cash. And my friends seemed to be willing to pay sizable sums of money. They said, I'll give you a third of the proceeds. No questions asked. You know, we don't charge that now, but I thought that that was generous. I said, why not? They started doing it for friends and through friends, a mutual friend of mine and one of my friend clients called me up and said, you know, I travel often for work. Would you come take a look at my apartment? And so I did. And he said, so look, I've kind of brought you here under false pretenses. I have no interest in renting out my apartment. I'm actually about to move pretty soon, but I do want to give you a small investment. You know, forget about this law stuff. You know, I'd been at this big international firm. I was living in Europe shortly before this. And, you know, it was a lot of paper pushing, long hours. And he said, forget all that. He said, why don't you turn this into a into a business? There's clearly a market need for it. I, I imagine there's demand. Da, 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 da. I've looked at the numbers. This guy was in private equity. And I said, sure, why not? Seems fun. He introduced me to my now partner. And we raised about a half million dollars a few months later. We've grown pretty substantially since. We've got quite a few properties under our belt. We have several full-time employees, over 20 contractors, a few companies that we're partnered with. We get corporate sponsorship, you know, the ecosystem has really evolved since that time. And, you know, the machine's just buzzing along. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, yeah, the ecosystem has definitely kind of exploded. (laughs) 
Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny, actually, come to think of it. I think there's, you know, I hate to go back to this and I promise I'll leave it here, but I think that's another thing that the city of New York really overlooks. Like, yes, the economic impact of Airbnb is certainly weighed in. You have a lot of people traveling who can say, look, I can now go to New York for $150 a night by staying in an apartment, whereas I, I couldn't before because I couldn't afford a hotel. And I think the city looks at these people and they're saying, look, yes, they patronize our businesses. They go to restaurants and shops and bars and cafes and so on and so forth. What I don't think they realize and or they're they're not adequately weighing is the job creation. So if you think about someone like myself, I have full time employees. I have several contractors. There are tons and tons of cleaning companies in New York, people that sort of are tangential to Airbnb that service this who's, you know, like if you, if you think about all the cleaning companies and people who work to service Airbnb apartments, their livelihood is now partially contingent upon the, you know, upon home sharing. And I think that's sort of lost in the mix there. But if Airbnb were sort of effectively shut down tomorrow, I don't know that I could continue having my employees on payroll. Yep. No, it's very true. There's there's a lot of people that, you know, either directly or indirectly uh, make money uh, thanks to Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So if you're banning it, it, it really affects a lot of people. Those who are listening in New York and they are interested in the management company, how do people sign up and what are the fees? Sure. So there are two simple ways. The easiest way is just to go to our website, which is metrobutler.com. There is a sign up button in the top right hand corner. And that is for our full service option. If you want us to do everything soup to nuts, we will clean before and after. We will manage your guest communication 24 seven. We can coordinate maintenance. You know, we provide sheets, towels, soap, shampoo, conditioner, anything incident to Airbnb or, you know, any you know, channel that you can think of, we can do it. So that's sort of our, that's been our conventional model for that. We charge a 25% commission. And for people who are a bit more hands-on with their listings, you know, we also offer what we refer internally to as light services, which are a la carte offerings. And if you go to metrobutler.com slash book, you can book you know, individual services. So that's things as, you know, as basic as key deliveries, you can book individual cleanings, you can do sheet rentals, supply restocks on an a la carte basis, all the pricing is listed right there, right on that page. And it, it varies depending on the size of the apartment. So we make recommendations, but it's really at your discretion. You know, if you want to book a two hour cleaning, a three hour cleaning of four hour, but we do provide a little bit of guidance there. Awesome. So if you're interested, metrobutler.com is the website. Of course, I'll put everything in the show notes. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode. So Brandon, thank you very much for sharing your insights about the regulation in New York City. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And of course, next week, there's another episode. So we'll see you all then. Bye-bye. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet, get paid for your pet.